Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges. Facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vichara's Supply Chain. This is Norhadi House and I'm speaking now with Stephen Canovali, Assistant Professor of Supply Chain Management at Worcester Institute of Technology based in the U.S. Thanks for coming and welcome to Vichara's Supply Chain, Stephen. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Mm, great. So this topic is turning feasibility into value in a global supply chain. But before we get in, into the main discussion, can you please brief a bit about yourself and how you met up with a current role in supply chain management? Sure. Um, I uh, had a, an interesting journey into supply chain um, when I was an undergraduate student at Rutgers University in New Jersey. Uh, I decided to start a marketing company uh, with a good friend of mine. Prior to that, I was working in um, in sales and in data analysis and things like that. And a good friend of mine and I started a marketing company, but uh, we actually didn't do much marketing. What we did was coordinate trade shows uh, for companies. So we would set up uh, trade show designs and displays. And, and uh, I noticed what I, a lot of what I was doing was coordinating purchasing and logistics and things like this. And thinking about what I wanted to do moving on, um, I had a, an opportunity with one of my former professors who uh, said, you know, you should consider getting into a PhD. And I said, okay, well, tell me more about it. And, you know, we kind of did. And, and um, uh, the real thing that got me was uh, I've always been kind of an inquisitive guy and I really like answering questions. And of course, as an academic uh, engaging in basic research, that's what you do. And so I learned about what that was. And uh, so then I went back to Rutgers for my PhD, uh, graduated in 2014. Um, I was working for four years uh, at Portland State University in uh, Portland, Oregon in the U.S. And now I'm currently uh, uh, at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. And uh, in my current role, uh, the majority of what I do is uh, engage in research and supply chain. So the areas that I focus on are uh, the structure and composition of uh, supply networks. Uh, I study risk management predominantly. So uh, learning how to use mathematical modeling or statistical techniques in order to detect, um, gauge, and assess how risk is going to spread within networks and potentially looking for different network structures, meaning how suppliers and buyers and distributors are all intertwined with one another and um, spotting how those can be used for predictive value. Um, the other thing that I do here at, uh, at RIT is... Um, I teach in two programs. One is our undergraduate degree in mm -hmm. supply chain management. And the other one is uh, we're launching a new master's of uh, supply, global supply chain management in the fall. And so uh, developing coursework on supply chain analytics and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. That's great, Stephen. So um, talking about the feasibility, um, uh, companies across industry have invested in the ERP tools and other IT systems to collect and track the performance, but uh, however, there is a gap in the feasibility itself. So how do you see this issue, uh, Stephen? And what advice can you offer to uh, the supply chain leaders? 
you know, the, the, with visibility, it's kind of an ironic thing. I think now we're living in an age where we've got more data than any time in the past. Mm-hmm. We have more ability to collect data through ERP systems or through, you know, external repositories and things like that. So the, the, that's on the one hand, but on the other hand, we're not able to really trace and detect the data that we need. So for visibility, the easiest way I think about visibility um, is thinking about the tiers of a supply network, right? So if you take any product, take a cell phone, you know, a cell phone is assembled in, let's say, southeastern China, and that cell phone has 13 or 12 different subcomponents from maybe 10 different countries. So as the manufacturer, you know, one tier back, absolutely, you know who your first tier suppliers are. Yeah. And then maybe, depending on how strong the relationships are with those suppliers, you might know one tier back from that. But it really falls apart, I think, in a lot of cases where you look at the third tier or the fourth tier or so on and so forth. And why that's important, well, you can take any product recall or any crisis that's occurred with products in the supply chain um, a phone exploding in somebody's pocket or whatever. And, you know, you can say, okay, well, that was the battery. So you go back to the battery manufacturer and then the battery manufacturer, they have to do their due diligence, but it gets exponentially complex when we start pulling back who's in the second tier and who's in the third tier. And so there's been a lot of things that have been popping up visibility initiatives or, uh, you know, supply base reductions where do we really need to have 2000 suppliers when perhaps 15 a uh, hundred will do with things like that. And so why this is all important, I think that the performance implications are twofold. I think on the first hand, there's a clear cost advantage to understanding what the actual tier structure is in a supply chain. Uh, you know, I, I think being able to understand the complexity and the degree to which suppliers and supplier suppliers and so on and so forth are intertwined gives you a good idea of the pain points in order to drive down costs. So if you take a look at something like a should costing exercise in procurement, if you know how to unravel how many tiers back that supply chain goes and where, whether or not there are logistics costs that are driving up or uh, intellectual property or so on. So I think there's a big cost advantage to visibility. The other angle of visibility, perhaps the more important angle that visibility helps in terms of performance is hedging and managing risk. Mm -hmm. So there's countless examples of risk, both inadvertent and advertent, you know, intentional risk in the supply chain. You know, the, the the funniest example, not funny, but most peculiar example that I've come across is if you look at a few, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, whenever it was um, Tesco, one of the largest retailers in Europe, they had an issue with some of their meat supply and they detected that instead of beef, it was actually a large portion uh, was horse. And so on the face of it, if you're thinking about a processing plant that takes a bunch of different meat and puts it all together in terms of, you know, ground meat or this and that, it might be hard to identify um, these, these complexities or, 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 you know, it might be hard to identify uh, when one kind of meat is, is horse and one is cow. But if you think a couple tiers back, going back to the visibility point, if you think three tiers back, I find it kind of challenging that somebody wouldn't know the difference between a cow and a horse, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so you think about that. At some point, somebody said, yeah, this will do. And then they, they let the, the horse go into the beef supply chain. So why is that important? If you had visibility, if you had increased supplier relationships, and that's what a lot, a lot you know, uh, this is, is driven by that. If you had supplier relationships that help you understand what the network looks like, you could hedge risk because that was a huge reputational risk uh, that hit Tesco. You know, uh, the other area to think about is risk in terms of uh, when a product recall or when some type of natural disaster occurs. The, the most recent example we have, of course, is, is the COVID-19. Uh, and with COVID, when China shut down, when they initially had the number of cases pop up, there were something like eight or 9,000, I think the number that I read was, uh, electronic suppliers consolidated in the Wuhan area. Yeah. So if you shut down that area with eight or 9,000, even if they're third tier suppliers, you've got a real big issue because if you're single sourcing and you're putting all of your eggs in that basket, well, you have to immediately try to figure out, is there any opportunity to find another supplier and how can I do it quickly enough so that I'm not going to be, you know, impacted. So to sum all of this up, I think the two big things to me, why visibility is really important. Uh, number one is hedging risk. And number two is looking for cost saving opportunities. Mm-hmm. Great. So then um, how does the visibility create the value? Uh, can you please briefly explain a few example? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another example, and this is one of the areas in supply chain risk that, that I do a fair bit of research in. Uh, fraudulent products that get introduced into the supply chain cause a whole ton of problems. Uh, my colleagues and I, about, uh, I think it was about a year ago, uh, we published a paper in terms of intentional or unintentional disruptions impacting the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And one of the intentional disruptions was fraudulent products. And why this was important uh, is because let's say you take olive oil. Yeah. Olive oil is, is a really popular cooking oil and dressing and things like that. And it's used around the world, but some reports indicate that over 80% of olive oil is actually fraudulent. So at some stage in the supply chain, it might not be your first or even second tier supplier, but at some stage in the supply chain, someone is saying, yeah, okay, let's just take mineral oil and let's put coloring into it. So that way we've got something that resembles olive oil and then let's cut it down with regular olive oil, but sell it as extra virgin olive oil to make the profit. So how does this create value if, if a manufacturer of olive oil discovers that a supplier is acting fraudulently and it could be the olive oil, it could be the horse meat example. It could be the Volkswagen emissions example. In all of these cases, someone or some supplier at, at a certain stage within the supply chain said, I'm going to act deceptively. And that causes a whole lot of problems. So being able to take the visibility to whatever degree possible learn and understand what the pain points are and when perhaps when um, the largest risks could come, how you capture the value of that visibility is, well, you can hedge the risk of negative reputation of my product. You can hedge the risk of 
quality issues, which can occur two, three, four tiers back in the supply chain. And I think you can hedge the risk of significant financial loss. I mean, because if you consider the magnitude and the expense of a product recall, coupled with the potentially damaging reputational impact, it's a really negative proposition. And so that's how I think visibility creates value. It's, it's preventing what could be a really concerning issue um, at the next step in the supply chain. All right. So um, uh, still in relation to the supply chain feasibility, what advice can you offer for choosing the right uh, technology solution? You know, it's a really good question. And when you sent it to me, I thought about it quite a bit because yeah. for every problem that any supply chain professional faces, I mean, and you could go from procurement, you could go to manufacturing, you could go to distribution, you could go to master planners and buyers. For every area of the supply chain, there's always some kind of tech solution, right? There's always like a, you know, this product is going to be the panacea and it's going to solve every problem. I think realistically, supply chain has a nice, or should have a good relationship with the management information systems um, area of the company or the information systems, however they want to call it. But the reason why is when you design out ahead of time what the solution needs to be, what the data gathering needs to be, how we're going to use the data, basically go through a business case study and say, in an ideal world, what would you, procurement manager, like to see? And then perhaps they'd say, well, I'd love to be able to understand not only who my one-tier supplier is, but who their first tier, second tier, third tier, to the degree that they can tell me. So one example, even and we haven't even talked about what tech solutions, but one example might be when you're onboarding suppliers, you can do an audit. And it's time-consuming, and it's, you know, kind of burdensome, I'm sure. But if you do an audit in the beginning and you say, tell me about what your supply chain looks like, because this stuff can get exponential really quick. I mean, it literally is, you know, if you look at any epidemiology model for how disease spreads, a supply chain has a sourcing web that looks just like that too. So do an audit, figure out who's the first, second, third tier. And then you work with the information systems folks when you're going to buy a tech solution or when you're going to scope out what the solution should be How do we use the information that we're gathering? Are we taking that and we're, we're um, segmenting the supply base based on complexity? And if so, who are the people that need to see this data? Is it going to be in a dashboard form? Is it going to be in a report? So for me, the biggest thing about any tech solution, and before I got into uh, marketing, I was working with a team of people who sold systems integration uh, to, to major companies in, in the New York City area. It was always about designing the solution. You know, and the way I'll close on this topic is if you think about um, how kitchen appliances, there seems to be a kitchen appliance for everything, right? I even saw something, it was a, I was in Bed Bath and Beyond before everything closed and I saw an orange slicer. So this seems like an incredibly specific thing, but at some point someone said, I need a tool that designs a little hook to cut an orange. And then someone said, oh, I need the same thing for, an avocado. And then I need the same thing for whatever. So what do you have? You have an explosion of tools. The same is true for supply chain uh, data handling. There are an explosion of tools and solutions and providers. Mm -hmm. And in reality, the question is, 
how do I get from A to B? A being the information that I want and B being some actionable insight from that data. And it's a lot better now, I think, than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing an integration of things like Tableau or you're seeing an integration of, um, I think Microsoft has a solution too. Um, and of course, there's an explosion in ERP systems as well. But in the end, for me, the best piece of advice I'd give anybody is to match design and requirements and take the time in the beginning to figure out what that is or what is needed and then go out to bid for, for whatever it is because then you get a nice match between needs and solution. Yeah, that's awesome, Stephen. But before we close the conversation today, can you please tell us uh, kind of the critic way from today's discussion? Yeah, so at the highest level possible, I think um, increasing the ability uh, uh, to gain visibility in the supply chain leads to two very important outcomes. The mm-hmm. first, I think, is to hedge risk because risk comes from, I mean, everywhere in the supply chain. And it's not even first or second tier suppliers. It could come very far back, okay? So visibility helps hedge risk in terms of what might happen. It also helps prevent the let's say the, the uh, unintended consequences or um, things associated with what you couldn't possibly envision. There's stuff you can envision, sure, but there's others you can't. So number one, visibility certainly allows for hedging risk to the largest degree possible. The second is I think increasing visibility can drive value in a lot of ways in the supply chain, either in the procurement sense in terms of should costing, in the logistics sense, in terms of what the network looks like outbound, uh, or whether or not you have flexibility in the case where an area is shut down due to a disaster, how do we reposition quickly? And how do we have visibility into what the network looks like to be able to allocate or reallocate capacity? So in the end, in one sentence, um, visibility leads to risk hedging and driving value in the supply chains, in my humble opinion. At Vichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Vichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.vicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.